Oscar Poker. Planet of the Apes a second time, Sasha, mm-hmm. with with your daughter again, or no, with a with a friend. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and how did that? Uh, and <laughs> how what can you describe it? Was it a, a big big crowd? Uh, how did it feel? Uh, it was at the ArcLight, and it was in the middle of the day, and it was on Saturday, and there were more people in the audience um, than I thought there would be. I tell you something about Planet of the Apes is it really has the crowd. You know, just like when we saw it, Jeff, at the screening, it, um, uh-huh. the people were laughing and they were engaged. And as soon as the credits rolled, like it said, directed by, a guy in the audience said something like, fuck yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just like screamed it out, like uh-huh. loved the movie that much, you know, uh-huh. it was interesting. So you know? there doesn't seem to be any fall off at all from what I've been picking up from the people that have been writing into the column about, you know, any of that usual discrepancy that you, well, you often see between critics and uh, and people that yeah. are paying to see it. It's really quite, uh, quite uniform. So. You usually hear people say, oh, no, it sucked. Don't listen to what they said. You know, like, for instance, Tree of Life, which, you know, did yeah. really well with the critics, but the people were just like, what the hell was that, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But you're not really seeing that with Planet of the Apes. It's like we're we're just so gun shy because there's been so many crappy movies lately, you know. And so when a good one comes along, it's almost like you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Is it really a good movie? Really? Uh, Is it good? Uh-huh. What's wrong with it? Something's uh-huh. got to be wrong yeah. with it, you know. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like dating, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You hope it'll be everything that you want it to be, and you're always if it's too good to be true, usually there's there's something wrong. So. So, Phil, could you go over the basics about the box office? Well, you just told me this. I just put it up on the site, but let's just go over the basics about the uh, uh, about how Friday to Saturday went and how, what the percentage of the audience was over 25 and so on. Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it did $19.7 million on Friday and $19.4 million on Saturday, and, and that's good. I mean, you, you want to see something like that because it, it just indicates kind of a, a steady word of mouth. And, uh, you know, like we were talking, Jeff, um, I'm I'm surprised that it's skewing older. It's 56. Uh, I'm sorry. 50, yeah, 56 percent over 25. Mm-hmm. Um, so the nostalgia factor is kicking in. And what's reassuring about that is, if a movie skews above 25, it means it's you know appealing to people who don't necessarily um, rush out opening weekends. So this isn't a fanboy movie. This is, you know, adults who remember seeing the Charlton Heston versions and 
you know, being disappointed by the, the Mark Wahlberg, Tim Burton version, yeah. um, are, are just coming back to the, to the to the property. And it's still a very viable, um, you know, franchise, you know, based on this. And I think $150 million is likely, and, you know, based on that. And I just saw the international number, um, and that's actually pretty good, too. That is... Uh, it already has 23 million internationally, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and that's from playing 25 markets. Um, so it still has, you know, more spots to open in there. Um, so yeah, I mean, you're gonna you're looking at a, a pretty sizable worldwide hit, and you know that means we're gonna, you know, I, I'd be very surprised if we don't have a, a second film now, which is good, you know, because this is a true prequel. I mean, it, you know, in every sense of the word. Oh so. God, yeah. I mean, it, to me, it seemed like it was really destined to you know it was set up just for another movie you know yeah yeah all good stuff so sasha what's uh so in other words um um you were um what do you feel uh, what do we both feel all feel about uh, the uh, andy circus thing uh, the initial uh response was or the enthusiasm was that he really should be uh, Best Supporting Actor nominated. I felt that right away. I feel I, I immediately defaulted, by the way, to Best Supporting because mm. I felt it would be asking too much to put him into the realm of uh, of lead actor because people would just reject that out of mm. hand. But there's, there's the shorthand of Best Supporting is that that's kind of a special category that it's that it um, be, uh, you, you know you can you can equate or, 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 or allow a guy who's basically doing a CG performance or a performance uh, coded by CG in supporting, but people just wouldn't buy it in Beth. That's why I said that. What do you mm. think, Beth? I, I think that... Uh, I think it's pushing it to, to even imagine that the actors are going to go for that. Um, I think what will happen is two things. One is that they'll create a, se- a separate category if there's enough outcry after this, because I think Andy Serkis and the, and the motion capture... Um, people here that the effects crew really created something special with with uh caesar like i've never seen anything like that it didn't even get that close in avatar to really mm-hmm. feeling what these characters were feeling you know you had avatar um certain setups and, and king kong peter jackson's king kong kind of came close a little bit but you didn't have the human emotion on the face the way you do with caesar and um a lot of that's due to Andy Serkis, but a lot of it's also due to the, the advancing technology, the perfecting of it. So I don't think that they're going to call it acting. I think what they'll do is they'll... But that's they'll completely wrong. ...create a second Not- category, a secondary category eventually, like they did with, you know, making it 10. Like, they'll try to appease, mm-hmm. you know, the modern world. They'll try to evolve, and they'll try to... have As they've done throughout their 80-year history, they try to... Like, they did create a visual effects category. They created an animated feature if there's enough call for it. So what they'll probably do is they'll have something like, you know, best animated or, in, you know, in computer-enhanced performance, a separate category. <laughs> they will, I'm telling you. And then um, the circus will become the Meryl Streep of that category. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can see them maybe throwing something his way when, um, I mean, is he doing anything in The Hobbit, I would think? Um, I don't know. You know, the part one or part two, that seems like it would be a better fit. You know, they... They'd say, okay, you've done all the, the great work in The Lord of the Rings and then in Rise of the Planet Apes, and now you're back for these movies. You know, let's, all right, let's finally give you at least like a, a courtesy nomination or something. But I, I don't mm. see it happening for, for no this. No way. I mean, why do you say that, though? I mean, there has been, you, Sasha, you say if 
there is an outcry. The outcry mm -hmm. was immediate, and it's been consistent and steady. I don't know of anybody who would say, ah, I don't think he really was that good. Everybody mm -hmm. else? They don't, they don't look at it like that, though, the actors. that they're, First of all, they dominate the Academy. There's like 12,000 or 1,200 of them compared to the other branches, which have like 200, 400. I think the directors are the second biggest one, but I have to look at the list. But um, they definitely uh, don't like the idea of um, being able to be replaced and enhanced and changed. Their face is their bread and butter. So just like when you know Avatar came along and everybody was talking about what's her name getting a nomination, um, there's no way because somebody like George Clooney or um, any of them, they make money on what they look like and who they are, and they can't. I mean, you could make the argument that anybody could do what Andy Serkis was doing, you know, and that there's no, he's the only name in the motion capture world, right? Uh -huh. But these actors, they make money on their name and on their face, and that's, that's um, really what the Academy's all about and what the Oscars are all about is promoting their careers. So I really don't see how they're going to, they're not critics. Critics might go for it and do something like that, but the actors never will. You know, you're, you sound like you're talking about the Republicans refusing to go along with Obama's debt ceiling, <laughs> you know. You, you're, you're describing an intransigent group that doesn't want to know anything other than what they want to know for their own interests. I know, newsflash. Uh, That's these people. I mean, this is, this is nothing new. This is how the Academy works. The progress is slow. You know, they... Do they think that perhaps there's going to be a change, that things are going to turn around if they, if they stop it? It's, it's, it's like, let's, if we keep the uh, Andy Serkis type of performances out of contention. Now, understand, I do not believe for a second that he would possibly win. That would never happen. I understand that, and I agree with you on that. But to say not even a nomination, that's really kind of... I just think it's a war. It's a war against old-school filmmaking and old-school acting and... Um, progress, and I think they don't want to see it evolve this way. They don't want to see actors be, um, you know, able to be enhanced with computer technology. I mean, they really crossed the line a lot in um, with Black Swan by putting Natalie Portman's face on the dancer's body, com you know, generated it, and really fooled the audience completely, thinking it was her. I mean, I don't think actors want it to go that far to where, um, you know, what they do is can be replaced by uh, good you know animators and technology uh, I think that they they like it if they could do both if they can do voiceovers and computer stuff but also do you know maintain their traditional role of actor of their body as their instrument and they don't need any enhancing you know maybe a little makeup here and there mm -hmm. I mean one could argue that um, Nicole Kidman putting on the fake nose and winning an Oscar for it, or um, you know Robert De Niro gaining weight and winning an Oscar. I mean, and Charlize Theron. It's like they do transform themselves, but I think to them it's like it's in their control and it's their choice. It's not, I'm not crying hard enough. I don't look sad enough. So let's tweak you here and tweak you there to make you look more, you know, sad in this scene. I don't know. I just don't think that they're going to go for it. Having gone to acting school in my life and been around a lot of actors, it's just hard for me to imagine them really ready to just let go of what, you know, they've built their whole careers on. And they dominate the Academy, so good luck with that. And they, they're the ones that do the nominating in the acting categories. Well, it's going to be a big... Uh big talking point. It's going to be a, a very uh, uh, pronounced uh, argument 
and lament, I think, by a lot of people, myself included, that they would not at least nominate the guy. Uh, that, I understand that they can't, he can't win. That, that I, I get. But I think well, it would really be nice lost. if they did like a town hall meeting with the actors to find out what they really think about it. You know, do they that think would it's be acting? An interesting. That would be a fascinating thing to attend and report on. Uh, yeah. That would be great. That's a good idea. Have Have they ever? Have the I don't think so. Done? Like the fut- like a SAG kind of thing. Like the future of motion capture and acting. What do they think about? It? I think the Academy did something like that once. Um, you know, because I think that they do feel you know progress pushing at the edges. I don't think that they're going to be able to deny it. But like I say, they. You know, when the visual effects movie started taking over the summer, they created that category. And they're just going to have to do something with these these performances, you know. Now, the irony uh, for me, at least, that uh, I am not a fan of uh, Andy Serkis's, uh, what I felt was his overacting. He tends to be very, very emphatic in conveying uh, emotions. Uh, I thought that he was uh, excessive, way excessive, when he played Ian Dury in Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll. For instance, mm. he overdid it. He's over, he's he's over delivering the the what he's trying to do. You know, he there's no mistaking it, but it's too much. It's interesting that 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 tendency, his own technique, which is to do this, uh, it works because it really it, it penetrates mm-hmm. the, the CG cloak, if you will. Whereas a person with slightly more subtle uh, techniques and instincts as an actor perhaps would not work as well in a CG. Right format what's what's happening next week what, what can we look forward to next weekend in terms of like big performers um, um what's going to happen to you well i mean the final destination five is going to be the movie that breaks out but and and makes the most money but the one i want to watch is the help uh, that's the, the one to keep an eye on um it's it's one of those things where it'll it'll open relatively soft i think but stick around and, and show a lot of legs um and i know jeff you were a fan right um it, it just seems generally you know it's going to appeal to you know it's going to appeal to women who are you know maybe forced to go see uh rise of the planet of the apes and captain america the last two you know couple weeks and and now they want something that you know appeals to them it's it's the blockbuster fatigue sets in and Hmm. that audience needs to be served so i'm expecting you know big things from that now uh, i want to uh uh, emphasize uh that if you reread what i uh wrote about the help when i first saw it and i went to a little uh, gathering for the actresses i did not uh, go up and uh, jump up and down uh for the film what i was talking about were the performances of uh, viola davis and um Oh God! Now I've just forgotten her name. You know the other. Um, um, Emma Stone. Uh, no, the other, uh, the other actress who plays uh, one of the one of the maids, a, uh, the the slightly overweight, pretty one, and it, it'll come back to me. But uh, I, that's what I was talking about. Those guys are really good. Mm. So, and right. Sasha, have you been invited to see that or anything? Are you? No, I have. I have. I actually got invited to the premiere. Um, I have to go. I have to check that out. I didn't. Um, I'm not exactly. It's not. Doesn't seem like it's really my thing because. Uh, but it's. But you have said though that your selective, you know, screening schedule during the summer. You know, you're waiting for only the stuff that you think, is has at least a decent uh, uh, likelihood of being a contender. This mm-hmm. definitely has that. I don't think so. You don't think that the actresses that I'm speaking of. I think Viola Davis, yeah, and then the other one is Oct- Octavia Spencer. Is that her name? Yes, sorry. That's what it is. Yes, sorry. I think maybe, but I, I think it has a problem in that it's, um, you know, whitey saves blackie. <laughs> that's, 
That, that's the problem I'm referring to. Yeah. And that's a big deal. And then, you know, I think that they might feel sort of reluctant to go down that road, even though that's typical academy. I mean, they do that. You know, that's, that's what they do. Mississippi burning and, you know, that's their thing. But I just don't know if, if this movie is going to get attacked by the critics and if it's going to be an embarrassment or if it's as good as The Blind Side, then it'll do just fine, you know. Um, I well, would say it's really Oscar contender. It wouldn't be opening in August. I mean, that's that's kind of exactly. I, mean, I think it's just a a good little chunk of kind of um, you know it, it's socially conscious, but it's not going to be weighty enough or or dramatic enough to kind of last and and survive the race up until right. the end of the year. And what it, what the film the film is about a book that uh, Emma Stone writes. And uh, because uh, Sasha is Whitey Saves Blackie, well, she's a, she's a an author who uh, a fledgling author who has recently graduated from uh, UMIS, and um, and she's basically just writes down what all these women who work as are just. Did we just lose somebody? Oh yeah, Phil had to leave. Yeah, oh. yeah, I got to run, guys. So oh, okay, oh, not a problem. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks. Again. All right. Catch you later, Phil. Nice talking to you. So the, um, you know, it's it's a um, in the context of of that time period, which is to say early 60s, 62, 63, uh, Jackson, Mississippi, uh, a more uh, politically correct or interesting way would be not to have a white person being a catalyst for uh, helping or in some way uh, exposing the, you know, the the conditions that that black maids uh, work under. Um, but that's not realistic, of course. That's that mm. was. Um, I'm not aware of. I, I don't think that there was that power or that uh, opportunity that a let's say a black author would have had to to write that story. Uh, not, not not realistically, from what I sense. But you're right about the blackie saves. I just feel that. like in 2011 we've got a black president and. It just feels like this story, I don't know, I have to see it to make sure, but it just has, it sort of feels like the wrong time for it. Like it just, it just seems like it's already been told. We don't need to go back. We don't need to deal with that anymore. You know, we know this is the way things used to be, you know. Um, I don't know. And we don't have Oprah around to push it. <laughs> Oprah's gone. <laughs> and she would be the best one to push this movie, you know, and, and sort of bring it into the into the to the black community as as an acceptable um look at their history. I don't know. I, I'll have to see how it goes, but my first take on it is that, you know, it's just it's who cares about the you know, Emma Stone and all those stupid ways that she, you know, notices that black people are humans too, you know. I mean, I don't know if that's what it's about. So I shouldn't speak about something I don't know about, but that's just sort of my my initial take on it. The uh, the strength that and of character and the, uh, the these two women kind of standing up by uh, uh, speaking to Emma Stone and helping her write this book, but also their personal. Uh, travails. It's 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 there's kind of something a little simplistic mm. about, about a. Uh, about the venality of the uh, of the white women in this film, particularly a character played by Bryce Dallas Howard, right. <clears throat> and then you, the, the sure her performance is one note and one note only, which is I am a racist witch, and that's what she does. So that's a little uh, underwhelming to see that. Right. 
Well, I mean, I think it'd be more interesting if the if the maids were writing the book, you know. Yeah. But so why aren't the maids writing the book? You know, I know that's the the ta- time, you know, the time in which they lived. I just don't know if it's if it, if it feels relevant enough right now, you know. Yeah. In 2011, when we have a black president, you know what I mean. But, <laughs> so. but so, how do you account for the interest that appears to be out there based upon the popularity of the book? Well, um, uh, I think that women are a huge um, audience for for books now. They're the, they make up the majority of the people who buy and read books. You mm-hmm. know, it's all women. And so they love this book, you know, um, it's kind of slim pickings for good books. And just because it makes a good book doesn't necessarily mean it makes a great movie once it's a movie, especially if it's going to be in the context of the Oscar race, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, it, it becomes something totally different. It's not just something you're sitting down with intimately on the beach and reading. It's a statement about mm. a time and a place, you know, uh, can you explain to those of us who are not terribly uh, excited or, de- or kind of scratching our heads why uh, the Academy has decided to give an honorary Oscar to Oprah Winfrey? Um, I don't know. I can't say for why they're doing it. I can only make a comment on what I think about it, which is that it's, um, it seems like it's a way to pay her back for all, you know, since she's always done all these Oscar things, she's been basically a hype machine for them for at least 10 years, you know? Yeah, sure. And she does the Oscar special on ABC, and she's, you know, in with ABC. All I can figure is that they're just saying thank you for all of that publicity and at the same time, um, you know, drawing uh, her audience in to them, to, to up their own publicity. I think it's a, kind of a brilliant um, publicity move on their part to generate interest in, in the honorary Oscar, which they've sort of ghettoized now to its own show, you know, its own yeah. ceremony. It's not even part of the regular ceremony, but by bringing in Oprah, it, it, it definitely makes it more high profile and more prestigious and more people are going to know about it and care about it. They'll probably be more interested in that than the actual show of the Oscars itself. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. What do you think about it? I didn't understand. I thought the idea was to um, uh, recognize the achievements of a, of a, you know, of a performer and a, and a, and a creator who has been plugging away in the trenches of, of filmmaking. And this is kind of reaching outside the, the the community, in that she doesn't. She's what made one, uh, produced. I don't know how many films, two or three or something. Um, Beloved is what I keep thinking of when I'm talking about her being a significant producer. Do you know of others that she has actually been a producer on? I, I think it's all kind of a ceremonial thing, like you say. It was. A, it's like thank you for being a yeah. promotional person who has helped, uh, you know, with, with women's films and thanks for hyping us, which is fine, but it just seems strange. That not just hyping, over. yeah, not just hyping the Oscars, but God, every Oscar movie uh, ever and every Academy member has been helped by Oprah, you know? I mean, all of them. Tom, Tom Cruise, you know, uh, well, he's never won an Oscar, but, you know, Tom Hanks, Julia Roberts... Um, they're all like his, they're all like Oprah's buddies, Brad Pitt, you know, anytime they need to promote something, there's Oprah, you know, helping them out. So Uh I think that they, you know, the Academy members themselves are eager to honor her. Um, I think she still probably figures she might win an Oscar someday. You know, she's always wanted to win one as an actress, you know, it's her big dream. Uh So, um, 
I don't know. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a mm-hmm. weird thing. I, I know it, it. A lot of people were upset by it. They, they figure there are so many other people that deserve honorary Oscars, but I don't really look at it like that because I think honorary Oscars are a bunch <laughs> of bullshit, frankly. Yeah. It's like we, you know, we never gave you an Oscar when you deserved it. So here you go. We're giving you one now. I and mean, what does it really mean? I guess it means the same thing that an Oscar means. It means that they like you. They really, really like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, I, uh, I, I, I long ago said that I <clears throat> feel, feel badly about uh, their, them having ghettoized the, the honorary uh, uh, winners. I think that, that you always have to try and put in a little bit of <clears throat> uh, recognition of the past, uh, kind of mm-hmm. a classic uh, personality or, 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 you know, filmmaker or two, just to give a sense of that, you know, this is not just about right now. It's about people mm-hmm. that, you know, did, did some profound and, and, and really good things with with movies in decades past and it always meant something to me to see I'm it's time I was 12 years old to see the older mm. person uh, you know being uh, being applauded and uh, it's, it's it's very lamentable so what do you think about I like uh, how another? you put it that way you know and I I think when you put it that way when you really look at it like that like there are really honoring someone's achievement so it's like a lifetime achievement as opposed to just sort of a um you know a sloppy seconds kind of thing Mm-hmm. I think it, it really does have meaning, you know? Yeah. So I agree with you in that way. Mm. Um, sorry to interrupt. What were you going to say? I think you should um, <laughs> really do respectfully disagree. This The time has come. We're, we're right about starting to go into the fall. You're you're going to be missing uh, for a good reason. I I recognize. Oh no! Here we go again. You're going to be missing all those wonderful. This is one of the best. I miss, and you know, I miss the uh, best of all time. I know, but I I I I didn't even apply for credentials, so I can't even go anyway. You know, even if I wanted to. (laughs) Listen, I would love to go to Toronto. If if some publicist, you know, if you're listening, publicist, and you want to invite me to some like cool screening up there and I can get in get on the list I could fly up there and go to it and then fly back you know I could do that so and if I if I don't have to be credentialed to go to it I could totally do it you know so maybe that'll happen it's not a point there's no point in it and they they would uh, entertain without it without uh, thinking about it uh, your credentials if you wanted to go it's it's only (laughs) yeah if you're Jeff Wells yeah totally (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they put so me through the whole paces like everybody else and I had to submit all the coverage I had to copy it <clears throat> put it <clears throat> put it on a, a document send it along I had to fill out all the form everything you know mm-hmm. they just have their procedural you know way of doing it so. yeah I, and I really wish I was going to Venice I'm so jealous of Guy Lodge he gets to go to the Venice Film Festival that mm-hmm. looks really good this year. You know, they're going to see everything first, like the Cronenberg movie. You know, it's all going there first. So, sure. um, yeah, and, and I think Toronto's great. I really do. I mean, it, it, King's Speech sort of put it back on the map in terms of being a force to be reckoned with because before that it really wasn't. It was kind of like, eh, you know, they go to Toronto, but they don't really make it all the way through uh-huh. um, to the Oscar race and win. Um, Toronto was key for, for that movie last year. So, um <sighs> I'm also making <clears throat> a big effort uh, with the New York Film Festival, which has uh, resurged as a as a um, as a player. Oh yeah, because of Scott Foundas and Todd McCarthy mm-hmm. uh, at the who are uh, 
two of the, uh, along with Richard Pena, of course, uh, are um, you know getting some. Um, they're they're going to have Tinker Tailor Soldier Soldier Spy, which yeah. will not be at. Uh, they're also uh, they just announced a centerpiece, mm -hmm. which is. Oh God! Don't don't even ask because I know it's going out they, of my head. They, ju they just they just announced it, and I just went went on. We're getting it. Um, Alzheimer's. This is uh, this is really really quite irksome. Uh, <laughs> it's a big movie. I just put it on my website, so let's look at on my website. I know that I put it on there. It's like the well, in the meantime, while we're struggling to remember <clears throat> something I just announced, <laughs> uh, there is a uh, expectation on my part, at least. Uh, because I was told by a source at HBO that they're also talking to them about having uh, the big premiere of the George Harrison Martin Scorsese documentary, mm -hmm. which, yeah. will be, which will be on HBO in early October. So, um, so I'm going to be back. In the, I'm, I'm making a point of after Toronto doing part two. It's my week with Marilyn. <sighs> my week with Marilyn, which. You know, you can't Dutch duck that one either, Sasha, because <laughs> it's Kenneth Branagh as Laurence Olivier. And, and it's the Weinstein Co. And it's, uh, I love Michelle Williams, and I hope she's really good in it, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that looks really good. And it's going to play on October 9th. But did they, is it, didn't the New York Film Festival credential deadline already pass, or did it not pass? <clears throat> Well, technically, uh, both Toronto and New York <laughs> probably have, have said, because, again, they have to put within a, a procedural framework. I, I, you know, but you can always, if you're a, a name-level person who has studio advertising and is definitely a voice who is listened to, it's not a problem. You can just go in there and say, listen, I've changed my... <clears throat> My, my itinerary, and I think I can go in, so can you please <laughs> make an exception? It's not a big deal. Yeah. You have to I, just work a little harder. That's well, all. I mean, I know those guys, so it's possible that they would let me in, you know, the, the New York Film Festival guys. So, I mean, I could try. I would love to go and see that movie. I mean, I'd love it if I could just, if I was, like, rich enough and cool enough to just fly into New York, see it, like David Carger. <laughs> Dave Carger, like, he never works a whole festival. You know, he's, he's just, he flies in, he goes to a few VIP events, he sees the important movies, and he flies out. Right back out, yeah. <laughs> That's Dave Carger for you. He's like, you know, he's like the king among the Oscar bloggers. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, he and of course Entertainment Weekly foots his whole bill. For us, we have to pay our own way, you know. Yeah, so. right. Yeah. Um, but I'd love to see all these movies early, and you know, nine times out of ten, they're offering screenings here anyway for them. You know, uh, if they believe me, any Oscar publicist worth their salt, they're gonna make sure they take every single person who writes about the Oscars and they see that movie. You know, yeah. they don't fuck around. Um, so even if it's playing in Toronto, they're not going to say, no, you can't see it. They're going to get you into a screening as soon as they can to have every possible website talking about their movie, you know. I have written uh, already and, and hope to <clears throat> be able to be given a chance to see two films that will be um, showing at Venice so that I can at least be concurrent with the reactions at Venice. You know, I've asked if I will not, you know, say anything until the Venice uh, critical community starts writing, whatever that deadline will be, then at least I'll be able to, to say something at the same time they say. So there's, mm. like, for instance, um, uh, Moneyball, which I believe is, isn't that going over to Venice? Oh. No, no, oh, now I can't remember if that's just going to Toronto or whether it's going to Venice. It's hard to Venice. keep track, but um, I, I should build, like, yeah. a chart and see which movies are going where. I think I'll do that a little bit later. Um. <laughs> 
Yeah, because it's all kind of scrambled around in my head. But I know that's one of them, <clears throat> and yeah. I'm gonna. I'm hoping to be able to to see it sometime. It's going to Toronto. Descendants okay. and Moneyball are both going there. Yeah. Okay. So I'd like to. So and I'm also asking if I can please uh, be given a, a chance to see the uh, <clears throat> film directed by Michael Mann's daughter, uh, Amy Kanan Mann, called um, uh, Texas Killing Fields, which is uh, uh, mm. one of those kind of uh, zodiac-like uh, uh, procedurals in which the uh, there is no real uh, satisfying third act payoff, or at least not in real life it hasn't. Maybe it is in the film. But that's going to be at Venice. <clears throat> and I don't think it's necessarily going to Toronto, so I'd like to see that also. Hmm. I can see Sasha's not going to go to that one. So, anyway. <laughs> that sounds... No, it's okay. <laughs> I know what that means. You know what was really good was Attack of the Block. Did you see that movie? Loved it. I think it's one of the best of the year, uh, hands down. I love God. the honest, real feeling of oh. that whole thing. Even though, and I love the fact that they went with, with Crummy's uh, effects that were clearly... You know, Same you know, here. Z-level. I love that. Was, that was a movie that showed you how you can make a good movie if you just have, like, you know, smart writers, good actors, a great idea, and you're, you're just not afraid to take chances, you know? He just takes chances all the way through it. I love that. Mm-hmm. It's... Um, it's unabashed, enthusiastic filmmaking, which is really right. something uh, great to see. I, I ended up watching, uh, my friend showed me uh, that <coughs> foreign language film, Sotsi. Remember that? T-O-T-S-I. Yes, that yeah. was uh, um, a South African film that I... Uh, which was unfortunately directed yeah. by Gavin Hood. And he went on to make um, that Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Um, and. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, the, the New Line one that was about the Middle East and uh, Reese Witherspoon was in it, and <clears throat> it, it kind of died very quickly. And then he uh, then he went on to do uh, Wolverine, I believe. I know, and I can't believe he made such a great movie, and then he made those two crappy movies after that. It's completely consistent with the history of people who have done very well in their native culture and done something that's more from their own culture and their own heart. Then they go within the studio system and they're saying, can you deliver this property because you know how to you know, work the levers and, and push the right buttons to make a film work? And it never seems to. What happens is that the system, the mentality of the system, overwhelms the individual. Mm. Well, uh, Rendition was the name of that movie. Yeah. rendition but I couldn't believe it it won the foreign language Oscar actually in, in 2005 or whatever it was but and it, yeah Satsi yeah. did and it was so right. good and it reminded me of Attack of the Block you know or Attack of the Block reminded me no, of that it's movie. not it's uh, just called I believe Attack the Block oh are you sure yeah I'm pretty sure oh god have I been getting it wrong all this time oh god that's so embarrassing you're right it is attack the block oh yeah. now I need to be <laughs> shot in the head oh. it's these two hundreds of facts that you're processing it's you know it's just a tiny little thing just fix I it. know but I put it like on Google Plus and Facebook uh-huh. <laughs> and everybody was too polite to correct me <laughs> they were too nice well it's just a minor thing. Just re- remove the OF and you're good to go. <laughs> God, it's not a minor thing. It's like, you know, it's like attack of the birds. Or something. <laughs> I always get things wrong. I'm so lame. Oh, well, that's just, okay. So a lot of uh, work to do, and it's not a, you know, 
I'm, uh, I, I give myself uh, a pass because, you know, I make mistakes every single day. There's some mistake up there. It's either a typo or, or you know, a, the wrong title. I've, I've said it quite, you know, not quite correctly or something. You just, you know, that's what I, I love about, uh, about uh, being able to change things right away. Some, some guy actually had the temerity to write in, says that real bloggers or serious journalists, whatever they put up initially, uh, whatever they post... Yeah. It stays there. It, it is immovable. It is intractable. And if you make a mistake, you have to then at the, make an addendum at the end, publish that and say, uh, this was um, um, misspelled or this uh, release date was incorrect. I actually, I mean, that is a completely uh, 19th century William Randolph Hearst, uh, you know, uh, uh, paper idea about journalism. Uh, I said, I, I'm not even going to think about that suggestion. If I have information that's going to, you know, if I can correct a mistake or if I found out something new or if I decide to improve the shape of a sentence, I'm just going to change it. Bam. And if you don't like mm. it, too bad. I'm, it, you know, it's, it's a movable, fluid, constantly changing uh, thing. Uh, you know. I totally agree with that. I know you're right. A lot of people don't like they think it's not really journalism to do that that you have to like do a strike through they even have that on wordpress you know a strike through <laughs> but well, i um, only do that for ironic or for making a comic point yeah me yeah. too no i think it's i think it's absolutely fine to to um to change i just went on my google plus and i hit edit and i was able to edit my post to say attack the block instead of attack of the block mm-hmm. which again makes me look like a total fool mm-hmm. but you know, that's what the great thing about Google Plus is you can edit it right then. And they understand that it is movable, like you say, you know. So, um, what else have you seen that you liked? I have not. Uh, I have, well, the ones, this opener is I saw Bellflower eons ago. We've already talked about that. That opened Friday. I saw that at... Um, Sundance, and I found it uh, uh, mm. uh, almost painful to sit through. <laughs> Cer- certainly uh, frustrating, and, and not the kind of thing that I would recommend at all. And some people, they, you know, it's about it's a very kind of scuzzy uh, young man's film that that is about uh, um, who was it that said it's not very kind or, or perceptive about women? That um, it's the sort of movie that. Uh, 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 who was it that said that? Was, Glenn Kenny agreed with him. It was somebody. Uh, anyway, the, the the thrust of it is that it's uh, it's. Um, I don't want to talk about it. Basically, it's, it, it was a, a, a um, profoundly uh, unsatisfying, irritating film, from my viewpoint. I didn't see uh, all of the whistleblower, which also opened oh, last Friday. Oh dear! Did you see that? I saw it. Oh, how'd you happen to go? Where, where, I went where, to a screening what? of it. I went to a screening okay. of it, yeah. And I haven't written anything about it because, you know, I don't... Um, yeah, you, you, want, you know, if you don't like something, why, why dump on it? Leave exactly. it alone. Exactly. Especially right. since the thing I like about the movie is that it's produced by, written by, directed by, and starring women and about a woman's story. I like all that about it. I don't feel like dumping on it. I just didn't think it was that good, you know? Um, it's nothing to write home about. It's not going to get any Oscar attention at all because it's kind of a mess. But the intention was so good that I feel like I can't really, uh-huh. you know, trash it. I'm not going to, you know. Mm-hmm. What about you? What did you think? Uh, without addressing the actual story that, uh, that, uh, that uh, propelled this film and the, 
agonizing experience of the woman who was a uh, who was played by by Rachel in the film. Mm. Uh, I felt that it it seemed to me like a stack deck immediately, and that I, I really don't care for films in which there's one person, only one person, who sees uh, an evil. Yeah, you know, I agree. The, oh my the, god. Yeah, and the other people who are aware of it, of course, but they're profiting by it, or they just want to leave well enough alone. They're completely uh, patronizing and corrupt, and um, I just don't think that humanity is that cut and dry. You know, it's either, either you see the good and you try to write it, even though it's politically... She doesn't seem to be aware that she's putting herself in a very jeopardized, uh, tenuous position by, by trying to uh, expose human trafficking, slave trafficking. Which is what it's about. Yeah, because it doesn't feel like she is. I mean, it never feels urgent, and it never feels, even though these bad things, it's like they're telling us, look at these bad things are happening. See, these yeah. women are suffering. But we never really see them suffering, because the only suffering we see is on photographs. Like, we never see, and so, except for, for when the one woman gets her head, you know, gets herself shot. But I just yeah. didn't think it gave us a very clear idea of why trafficking is so horrible. Like, it doesn't show it very well. Yeah. And, um, like you say, like they can't be everybody who thinks that it's fine and goes along with it, you know? They can't all be that evil, these men. You know, they, they didn't show the other side of it. You know, they didn't show the side that makes it alluring for people, for girls and for men, you know? Just cutting to the chase, if you're going to have someone who wants to uh, do something about a, about a clear wrong, it, it just may, feels more realistic if there's one or two people, one or two guys, let's say, who get her, who, are, who, are, who mm -hmm. understand, who feel the same thing, but are, let's say, afraid. They have uh, a family. They don't want to uh, mess with their security. You know, that kind of usual, yeah. typical stuff. Then, then it's okay. It's a little bit different, at least. So. And, and it took it way too long to get going. Like, I don't think she needed to add the romance with her boyfriend. That didn't need to be in there. Because yeah. who cares? You know, they didn't do anything with it. And he was not a part of the story. I know that, that in real life he is a big part of her life and that she met him there and everything. But it didn't serve the movie at all. It just wasted time. It just mm -hmm. kind of kept going on and on and on and on. So when we finally got to the end, it just didn't even matter anymore that she went on TV and blew the whistle, you know? She should have mm -hmm. done it a long time ago. Obviously, if her life wasn't in danger... I mean, they said it was, but it didn't feel like it was ever. You know, she just seemed like she was really pretty and everybody was giving her a pass because she's so good looking, you know. Right. <laughs> so, right. Whereas the real lady looks like an actual person, you know. She's not, she doesn't look like Rachel Weiss, you know. So, and that does add a different layer to the story that, that wasn't there to begin with, so. Can you please uh, tell me what day it is that the Hell premiere is happening? Is it on Monday or Tuesday, I presume? Oh, let me see. I probably missed it because I'm so lame. Let me look and see. Um, let's see. Don't they usually have premieres the week before? I have a feeling that it already happened. I think so, too. I think it was at the Academy. Yeah. Um, let me find it here. If it hasn't happened already, I'm, I guess I'll try mm. to go to it. Mm. I was going to take Emma. Oh, there it is, the help premiere. Uh -huh. It was last, last week? No, it's Tuesday. Okay. I'm well, going to go to it. You going to go to it? Yeah, I thought I'd maybe go again just to, to take more pictures. And, and it'll, it'll, be, it, it'll give me a chance to focus a little bit more because it has been a little while. And I, and I think that, uh, I don't know when the review date would be, but I would think it would be okay sometime in the middle of next week. So. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, have, has anything... It looks like the Critics' Choice um, people have given it a really high review, you know? Like, it's... Uh-huh. So, um... I don't suppose, or, or I am not presuming it's going to get flat-out panned, but I don't think you're wrong in saying that there's going to be a certain resistance because of the... <clears throat> um, uh, of, of Emma Stone being kind of the catalyst and pretty much the, the hero of the piece. So, so that's yeah. going to be a problem. Mm, I know. I, I think I, so, too. I think so, too. I think in this day and age, in 2011, it's just going to feel old-fashioned to right. sort of, you know, go, go down that road. But I don't know. I have to see it, like you say, to make sure. Hey, listen, you're, the, um, you're always the person that knows... Uh, uh, how to fix things and what I got to ask a, a technical question. I noticed this very late, late last night and I noticed it also this morning. <clears throat> I'm having trouble. Hold on a second. Wow. There's some I, kind of a. Oh, I love that. I love that sound. That's great. This is the, uh, <laughs> Burbank. You're in the Burbank Airport path, right? Jesus, I'll say today more than anything else. I, I haven't heard so many planes going over. Jeez. So you have a, uh, a large uh, sliding glass door near you, so you're hearing the... Because I can hear the outdoor, uh, you know, atmospheric sounds coming through when you're speaking. Oh, you can? That's because yeah. this microphone picks up everything. I don't yeah. have a soundproof room. I really That's the one thing it's, I need is a soundproof room. It's very nice. I can kind of hear the slight uh, kind of rumble of the city outside. It's a really high-quality uh, thing you're working with. By the mm -hmm. way, I finally, uh, Sasha, while we were speaking before, I did order a $99 podcast kit that is coming. You mean just it, now on the phone? Well, while we were talking, I just kind of absentmindedly did it while we were speaking because I got so tired of my procrastination. I finally did it. So. Wow, yeah. that's awesome! No kidding. Did you get make sure it was a USB one? Well, I would imagine. I, I saw a visual of it, and it has a little tiny mixer that has mm -hmm. to go into the USB, right? Yeah, send me the link to it, would you, so I can see which one you took. Sure. Your order. Yes. I will there it goes that. again. They must be having some kind of a Blue Angels <laughs> celebration or something. God, I mean, we've we've done podcasts before. We've never heard all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, right. I'll send it to you right now. Now, I was going to ask you though. Just this last night and this morning, I am doing uh, getting a completely non-reading of my ads on uh, Firefox, of all things. And I asked uh, Jet who, whether he had the same problem, and he says, I don't even use Firefox any longer. And I said, well, really, because you have told me in the past that you are kind of a Firefox. And he said, no, it kept crashing all the time, and he is completely blown off, and he's now using only Safari and only Google Chrome. And, um, but I know that it's, <clears throat> I go to other sites on Firefox and it's fine. <clears throat> I'm just knowing I'm not getting any ads <coughs> popping up and I just don't know what's going on. So Just on your site? Just on my site. All right, let me go to it and see. Um, do, you, do you commonly use um, Firefox? They're coming up fine on mine on Firefox. Okay, that's good. You must have some kind of preferences thing set. Okay. To not load images. Uh -huh. You know, or ads, or some kind of ad blocker happening, maybe. Um, yeah, I, I guess well, I'll go to the preferences <laughs> on Firefox and see if that's up. I certainly didn't do, click on that to make it happen on its own. So, you know, it's funny. I just happened to think about something. Just uh, change subjects briefly. Uh, the other night, uh, do you ever go, by the way, to North Hollywood as I did the other night? Do you ever? Honey, go? I live in North Hollywood. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I thought you were more to the west. I didn't know that you were right. No, we moved. I live in North Hollywood now. Yeah. No, I mean, when you did move, I thought you moved more due north of uh, off Van Nuys Boulevard or something. Mm -mm. So you're no, I'm right in North Hollywood, right in NoHo. I'm, like, right down from Colfax, Colfax and Riverside. Well, how far are you uh, from, say, Phil's Diner, the one that I went to the other night? Oh, is that, like, in NoHo, like that one strip like near yes. Lancashire? Yes. I'm, you know, about a few minutes away. Why? What's so great about Phil's Diner? Is it nice? Well, yeah, it's a it's a beautiful reconstruction of a of a classic uh, uh, sort of uh, you know 1920s 1930s uh, diner, uh, like out of a Preston Sturges film. It has wonderful uh, wooden uh, paneling on the on the top, and and everything is done uh, in a kind of a pre-war vibe, pre-war feel. Oh, nice. It's right next to the TV Academy. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And I uh, <clears throat> was speaking to the woman who's married to the guy who I guess they're both they're kind of co-own it, co-run it together. Mm -hmm. And she was saying, so have you been here before? And I pointed out that I had been to Phil's before in April and I ran photos, uh, a, little, a little piece about it. I just thought it was a, a delightful little, little uh, yesteryear vibe to hang out there. And uh, she said that I should, to partake in, in, in NoHo's uh, delights, go to the NoHo Art Center and see the show that they have, which I wrote about called uh, uh, Boomer Mania. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, I just brought up that I said, you know, my first thought was in this day and age, particularly right now, and this, you know, the, the biggest realizations of a culture, of, of who we are, where our lives are going, they don't tend to just arrive in one single front page headline. They, they tend to uh, aggregate and, and, and build up and you gradually realize, yes, this is what our lives are like. Hmm. What everybody has realized, I think, uh, in the last two, three years, is that the boomer generation has, uh, is the last generation to really uh, uh, up its standard of living. From here on in, it's going to be at best maintaining and more likely lowering. It's, you know, the, the, uh, the you know, the each generation does a little bit better. That's over. And I don't think that uh, uh, that's really been made clear to me, and, and, you know, except within the last couple of years, particularly I was thinking about during the, you know, the obscene uh, 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 the fight that went on between uh, the radical Republicans and and, and the liberals and the Obama administration about the about the debt ceiling and about mm, deficit right. reduction. We're over as far as like you know you're going to do better. The the younger generation, my my kids' generation, Emma's generation, they are not going to have the opportunities. They are not going to be able to up themselves. We've seen it. You know our uh, the 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 boomer generation of which I lamentably am, am part of. Uh, they're. They, they really are the, self, the most selfish generation of, of the, um, in the country's history. And they really have done um, a really pretty awful thing when you think about it. So, How so an awful thing? Uh, well, um, I don't think we have the time to get into it. I was just kind of muttering. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's kind of a... But a, a good article. kind of it's, muttering. It's, it's an article of faith amongst most people who write about... Uh, Economics that the uh, that, that that the boomers have screwed it for everybody, and you ask any uh, 
aware, or a thinking, educated Gen X or a Gen Y person, what they feel about the boomers in terms of like the burden that the boomers are going to put upon the social security system, about how, about the ridiculous uh, economic gains and, and the way they brought about, uh, you know, that generation brought about all the financial speculation that led to the, um, to the 2008 meltdown. I mean, really, we're not looking at, like, things are going to get better. This is not 1946, and things are going to be much better in 1956, or, you know. I mean, there are always ups and downs, but really have turned the corner. This, at best, you can hope to maintain, maybe, if you're, if you're gifted and if you're a go-getter. But you're certainly not looking at any opportunity for improvement. Right. Except, uh, well, there are just so sure. many of them is the problem with the boomers, right? Yeah. I mean, there's just... The, the, we don't have that many, but we're also talking about middle-class white people, right? We're not talking about minorities, and you know, pretty soon the conversation's going to have to change because the the demographics are changing. Like Latinos are going to beat us population-wise pretty soon. So the what then? You know, that's a a whole different thing that people just never seem to want to get into. They just want to talk about the middle-class white people, um, and to me, that's not what I see when I look into the future at all. Super70s.com. Uh, Paul Begala, who used to work for Bill Clinton. I hate the baby boomers. They're the most self-centered, self-seeking, self-interested, self-absorbed, self-indulgent generation in the history of the country. Uh, baby boomers are the worst generation in American history. Uh, this this cop topic keeps coming up over and over again. So you feel that that is specious thinking, that it's... Uh, uh, you know, uh, not 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 supported by by reality, by by facts. I don't know. I mean, what do I know about it? It just seems overly simplified to me. Yeah, they were, but I think that they set the tone, and I think that the following generations fall right in line with that. We're, we live in a country where people are raised to think that they are the center of the universe, and that their happiness is all that matters. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in America—it's all about the pursuit of happiness uh, at all costs. I want my huge car. I want my two dishwashers. I want my mega mansion. I want, you know, I want to be I able want, to eat I whatever want. I want and not gain weight. <laughs> I want to stay young forever. There's an uh, article I just happened upon on the, in the Post-Gazette, you know, Pittsburgh, and it, uh, just uh, Sunday today, uh, August 7th, Ruth Ann Daly is a, is a columnist, and, and it's basically a, a column called The Worst Generation's War in Wisconsin begins, we baby boomers have been called, with good reason, the worst generation. Our parents survived. Because they the followed the greatest generation, right? Yeah, it's just comparing it to the World War II. Our parents mm -hmm. survived the Great Depression, then donned uniforms to fight the good war and save Western civilization. We called them the greatest generation. We use capital letters to honor their achievements and spirit of uncomplaining self-sacrifice. But they gave birth to us, the cohort between 1945 and 64, and they gave us everything they never had. Since fate has demanded little of us, we spoiled baby boomers are, as former Clinton advisor Paul Begala has written, the most self-centered, most self-seeking, self-interested, self-absorbed, self self-aggrandizing generation in U.S. history. That epic selfishness is on full display in Wisconsin's budget battle, and on and on and on. Wow, I mean, this is not a, a, a radical concept. It's pretty, well, you know. Well, then the baby boomers went off and did their, like, self-actualizing est thing. They ignored all their kids. Their kids grew up bitter, and then they... <laughs> 
You know, that's the one thing that I would say is a significant accomplishment of, of boomers is the spiritual side of it, which was triggered, or at least uh, the flashpoint uh, being the use of psychedelics in the 60s. But they were also narcissistic, that they raised kids who had narcissistic parents who then had to raise kids who had over-involved helicopter parents. <laughs> so <laughs> the kids that are coming up today are the worst kind of brats, you know. Mm. Because they, they also are coming off of baby boomers who ignored their kids and their kids who are over-involved with their kids. You know, it's, it's a weird thing. I don't know. I don't know if you could call the boomers the worst. They're just, they're just the loudest. I mean, they're the ones that are writing articles <laughs> books. Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't know. What do I know? Look into the links. There, it, there is All a right. lot of that out there. And, um, uh, it, and, and I was saying, it, it just isn't, it's a pretty significant thing to realize for everybody to finally kind of stop short and say, wait a minute, this is, seems to be true. There really isn't going to be the opportunities for, for Emma's generation, for Jet and Dylan's generation to, to, uh, to really build upon and, 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 and find uh, uh, improved standards of living. Um, it's just not going to be the same. It's going to be generally well, a hell, how much, standard of living. Oh, come on. How much better can it get, man? They've got their iPods. They've got their iPads. They've got their computers. They've got their shoes. I mean, their life is good for that generation. I don't see, I don't see why the whining. Um, and if they hate it, they should just tear down the wall and start over. You know, That's what they should do. You know, it's funny, but um, this is... Uh, a delightful period for me because not just because of the uh, the column doing well and it's, I'm doing what I love doing, but it's also because I am completely in a world that is defined and and supported and, and fortified by 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 digital communication, mm -hmm. and uh, I don't really require and never have required a big home and 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 luxuries. I do have a nice standard within my realm, but I certainly don't feel that I have to be an owner of a large uh, McMansion to no, be a no. success, you know. And there's a lot of people that feel, because they're, you know, they have families and everything, and they and they want, they really feel they have to do that. And if that that need to be uh, owners of large uh, real estate has uh, been a very significant factor in the in the meltdown of 08, people not right. being able to afford that. So, and it's interesting because the way things are evolving now, it is more online. Uh, cultivating your identity online and your um, your status in the tribe online as opposed to your status in the tribe on your block is you're the guy with the great house and the great lawn and the great car and the you know and that's your status right but now every everybody's sort of inventing themselves online and so you don't really necessarily need the the home mm -hmm. anymore because yeah. it doesn't really matter that much what the people on your block think of you it matters what your 4,000 Twitter followers think of you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe things are shifting a little bit. I feel the same as you. Like I could live in one of those tiny houses. Have you ever heard of the tiny house movement? No. <laughs> Tell me what is that? I don't. I don't know that. <laughs> you got to go to tiny house blog. Um, the tiny house blog. People are, are like living in these teeny tiny houses that don't even require a permit to live in them, and they can take them anywhere. And they're uh -huh. really cool little compact living spaces. Um, Tinyhouseblog.com. Mm -hmm. um, and you go on there and, and you know, they, they go from trailers to little tiny things people build. And they're just everything you need in one little place, like a bed, a kitchen, a window, an electrical outlet. And that's it, you know. 
So it's kind of like the Japanese um, <clears throat> aesthetic, which is, you know, Japanese people have long been uh, accustomed to living in relatively small spaces. Yeah. Because uh, particularly their families and everything. Basically. Oh, I see these visuals here. Yeah. Every, every country but America lives economically within their means. You know, like in, in Europe, they don't use clothes, clothing dryer. They don't dry their clothes in dryers there, mm. unless you go to a laundromat and you pay for it. But in their home homes, they just pretty much hang them out to dry. It's just one thing they do, and it's not considered like a sign of poverty to do so. It mm -hmm. just saves energy. And here in America, we're so disgusting with our huge houses. I mean, we yeah. are just the gluttons of the world. We're really, really gross when you look at us compared to everybody else. I'm not saying I don't love my country. I do. I love it here. I love the freedom. It's just like we have freedom, and this is what we choose to do with it, you know, just buy more shit. That, you know? This is precisely what I was just talking about with boomers and their, and their habits. This is but what boomers do. But why they is it boomers? Gluttons. I mean, why isn't it just capitalism, plain and simply? You know? Okay. Don't you think? Isn't that the way Americans are evolving and being raised and being reared? It's disgusting. Um, my niece was over here watching SpongeBob, and the commercial break came on, and it was like almost like seven minutes solid of commercials. Disgusting fast food, toys, you know, just selling <laughs> little children this idea that you will be happy if you buy these things. And so Americans are raised to think that if they don't have these things, they're inadequate somehow, you know. Uh -huh. And that starts young. And parents are too busy to, to say don't watch TV except for the very few of them. And, you know, it's, it's hell in a handbasket, honey. Uh. <laughs> it's, it's shit city, man. Uh. <laughs> things aren't getting better. They're just going to get worse. But Well, on that... Uh, very upbeat note. note. <laughs> <laughs> we will say goodbye. Um, let's hang up because I want to ask you something after. Sure. Okay. All right. Okay. okay. So nice talking to you. Okay. Stay on the phone. All right. You've been listening to Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com, Phil Contrino from BoxOffice.com, and Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Oscar Podcast. And the musical selections for today was um, He's Frank by the BPA and Tiny Apocalypse by David Byrne. We will be back next week. Thanks for listening. Raise up, shake them lazy bones, read the t-shirt but still don't understand. Coming home with a little apocalypse. Time for this, a three-tone carpet and a Jackie Chan spear. Looking at a hairdo and a belly full of beer. Well, I ain't no poet, ain't got no rhyme. But I got me a car and I know how to drive. In the event of pressure loss, all our lines are busy now.
Impossible, emotional, illogical, sensational. Little sister gotta take her medicine. Baby brother gonna do it all again. Running fast but cannot catch the bus. Funny feeling, this is part of us. And you must do.